0: Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. So delighted that you're joining us for another episode of Freedom Rings. And this is a great show. Sarah Carter is the founder of Dark Wire Reports and the Sarah Carter Show. You see her on Fox News. And we're thrilled that she's here to talk about one of our favorite subjects, which is freedom. And we're going to have a great conversation today. Now, you are the daughter of a Cuban immigrant who married a Marine... And then you are married to a member of our military who was blinded fighting in Afghanistan. So that's kind of the background.
1: So fill out a little bit of this
0: personal story of Sarah Carter.
1: I think it's what it makes, that's what makes me me, right? Um, I grew up uh, with a Cuban immigrant mom, uh, came from Cuba in the 1960s, uh, had me a little bit later in life, had met my father in California, believe it or not. My father was from Alabama. He was a Marine who uh, served in the war, in World War II, um, also in the Korea War, and was an incredible man. He passed away when I was 13. I was quite young when I lost my dad, but my mom and my dad instilled in me. This love for my country. It was a daily reminder. I mean, there wasn't a day that didn't go by where my father um, would talk to me about the Marine Corps, would talk to me about, you know, the the men and women that fought for our nation. And my grandfather, William Rogers, who fought in World War One, um, he would talk about his dad. And and of course, my dad would always tell me those stories because he was from the South. So he would say things like, We would have to get up at 4 a.m. before school <laughs> and, right. you know, march our way uphill in the snow <laughs> and, you know, to get to class and those kind of things. But my mother, you know, she also instilled in me. The reason why this country was so special, you know, and I think for so many of us that were born here, that have had our families for here for generations, that remember like the old stories of immigration, right? When we think about the new stories of immigrants and people that look to our nation because it's a beacon of light, of hope, of freedom, which is what your podcast is about. And when Fidel Castro and Che Guevara took over the island of Cuba and the revolution happened, and then those people like my mother who didn't believe what they were saying, knew what they were saying was lies. There would not be elections in Cuba. My mom said from, you know, from the beginning, her father, who had actually come from Spain to Cuba when he was quite young and left alone there, he said to my mother, you know, we lost everything in Spain during the war in Spain and I lost my entire family. He was only like 12 or 13 years old when he was dumped off a ship in Cuba and had to fend for himself. Um, He said Fidel Castro is lying. And my family stood up against that. Um, They were imprisoned for some time. My other aunts ended up, you know, having to cut sugar cane until President Johnson opened up the Johnson Freedom Flights and the Peter Pan Flights so that our family could come to the U.S. And my mother would say all the time, you know, when you give up little bits of freedom, when you think someone, a government, is going to take care of them, when you're not taking care of yourself, And working for yourself and understanding that freedom isn't free. You have to work for it, right? right? That you could end up losing everything. And that lesson has stayed with me in all of my work overseas, in my travels, in even the small things like freedom for women and women's rights in Afghanistan, where there isn't any. Mm or, you know, going to Iraq and seeing what happened to the Yazidis on the mountain, you know, in Sinjar and how they were slaughtered by a group called Islamic State, you know, or what happened to our nation um, on 9-11. All of those little things that my family instilled in me from the time I was so young, and I was so blessed that I could see it, right, that I could see it. Um, And maybe it's because I grew up overseas and all of that. But I realize are so precious and make our nation such a fragile place. And I'm just, every time I see it slipping away, I just think, oh God, please don't let it go because people will not, if they haven't been there, if they haven't seen a country or a place where freedom does not exist, they won't understand until it's taken from them.
0: Well, you're so right about that. And I think that's one of the things that really concerns people right now. They're seeing governments step in and take over different functions of life that have been performed by the private sector, the nonprofit sector, or individuals for themselves And when you hear some of these executive orders that are coming out of the Biden administration, look at the executive orders on energy, where Canada, if we're not their trading partner on oil, who gets that oil? China. And China then is going to use that to establish trading relationships with who? Our allies because we will no longer be exporting oil to them and you see these things happen you see the way they're encroaching on uh, the right to work people losing their job through no fault of their own and then trying to say well we'll pay you more not working I was talking to an employer this morning and they said we need people to come back to work And because they have job openings, and they're waiting to fill those openings. But anything that takes away that freedom, there's a cost to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And think of all the people that have lost their small businesses, you know, what makes our country so great is individuality, and, you know, being able to build your own business. And I've been very fortunate that I, and I never thought I would be a business owner, but here I am, you know, SariCarter.com, The Dark Wire. Um, It's a small business, but I employ uh, people and I pay for contract workers. And I'm so proud of what I've been able to accomplish. I never thought I would be doing that. I mean, I, I was a, a journalist, I was a print writer, and um, I work as a contributor for um, for Fox News. But I, I never thought that I would be at that point. Now I'm hearing from friends who have businesses that they're, they're on the verge of losing them. Some of them have lost their businesses. Uh, you know, imagine. Restaurants. Right, 30% restaurants. of our nation's restaurants are gone. Right. And gyms and yeah. gym owners, and they're saying, what is going on here? What's happened to our country? How do I, How can I not open my business? We're doing everything the right way. Um, our schools, our schools are shut down, and people are teaching their children from home, and many times children aren't even learning, Senator. Right. I've seen it in, even in Alexandria, where I have, that's Alexandria, Virginia, because I know people are watching all over the place here. Hopefully all over the <laughs> world they're watching you. Um, but... I've you know I remember delivering groceries um, right at the very beginning, maybe first two months of the epidemic for our church, and I would see kids out in areas where underprivileged areas or areas of poverty, not in school, running around on the street, and I would say to myself, and I would talk to them, and some of them, their families are immigrants. I speak Spanish, and I would say, "Aren't you supposed to be like learning on online today, or learning or doing some schoolwork?" And they would say, "No, you know." No one's home. My mom and dad aren't home, or I don't have a computer. So what happens to our children who are sitting at home with no one to really teach them, not on their school's laptops, not being monitored for more than a year? And then what happens to all of the thousands— or hundreds of thousands of Americans and millions of businesses, you know, they're high, and their families, and then the farmer, and then the, because the restaurant, it's not just the restaurant. Right. It's about the people that are working at the restaurant, and then the farmer who delivers the food to the restaurant. Right. And the farmers that I've talked to in Utah who say, well, guess what? I had to take half of my, my pigs, and they just had to be slaughtered. They weren't even sold to market. That's right. Or I lost my milk. Right, or cattle.
0: Or cattle. Yes. People are saying, "Do you want to buy a side of beef?"
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Would you like do the you whole have cow? a cow?
0: <laughs> do you have a freezer? <laughs> yeah. You know, I I think freedom, free markets, uh, free people, right. all go together, and people are anxious and hungry to be back out in the marketplace, and to be using their talents to be innovating, uh, and I am hopeful that we're going to get past this pandemic very soon, and that we will see that return.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, There is, of course, the very real reality that people have also been um, damaged by this horrific pandemic, and that people have lost their lives, and family members have lost their lives, and it's it's terrifying. It's sad. And my heart goes out to everyone who's been affected by this because it's not, it's, uh, it's very real. It exists. We have to, you know, accept the fact that we're, we're dealing with something new here. And so we're not going to be perfect. Not our government, not ourselves. We're going to make mistakes, but we also have to understand that there's a balance between the fear and what we can and the reality and what can be done to help mitigate the spread of the virus um and thankfully and great i'm grateful for operation warp speed under president trump for the fact what that we success. had success
0: it was huge and that shows what american innovation can do and when you get government out of the way and for years we've tried to get regulations out of the way so that we could get pharmaceuticals and biologics and vaccines to market more quickly and they would end up costing less because of that front end compliance so hopefully right. we will see we will see more of the operation warp speed type projects. Let me ask you a little bit about your husband. How did you all meet?
1: So we actually met in Afghanistan, believe it or not. My husband would tell you a much different story, probably one that would be way more entertaining for you because he always over-exaggerates it. He's great. <laughs> um, we were. I was actually covering the war, um, and it was 2009, and we were uh, out in the battlefield in, uh, right near the border of Pakistan, actually, in Helmand province, a really dangerous area. And uh, so... That night, I was with my friend Mary Calvert. I was trying to send stories back to the U.S. At the was working with the Washington Times. And I had a new system that had to hook up to a satellite. And I couldn't get it to hook up. All the lights were out on the base. And my husband was coming out from the field. And uh, Mary and I were pretty much the only women on that base that night. And he scared the daylights out of me because I heard someone behind me go, mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, that was when we first met. Um, He and his friend so graciously, Ari fixed my computer system. And I was able to send the story back. And that's how it started. He wanted to go for a cup of coffee. And um, and so for me, it was kind of an interesting thing because it was always a joke. Like I would never date anyone out in the field, never meet anyone out there. And here was this man who was pursuing me and pursuing me and from the moment we went for our first cup of coffee, when he came back to the United States, that was it. I was hooked. It was sold. I was in love. Um, we were married a year later. And um, and then about a year after that, my husband was wounded in battle. So And then you
0: all live here in Northern yeah. Virginia. <laughs> yes, we
1: do. Yes, we do. And then
0: uh, talk to me just a minute about, you know, people talk about preserving freedom. And many times they'll say, well, what are the issues? Where can we kind of dig in and work for this? Where do they take away most of our freedoms? What are the issues that are really important to you?
1: Being able to speak freely, being able to tell the truth. You know, from the moment I was a journalist, young journalist, I believed we were given a privilege, right, uh, to be a watchdog to also to deliver the truth to the American people so that they can make the best decisions for themselves, right? Not me making a decision for them. It's about making your own decisions. I really do believe that people are capable and able and awesome and innovative when you allow people to be free. And when people can make their own decisions for themselves and for their families, they're almost always going to do it what's best for everyone. Right. So as a journalist, I always felt that my job and, and for my husband, too. Right. You know, here he is a warfighter. He's out on the front lines. Um, he was, uh, you know, a special operator. I means with special forces. He retired from there, continued to work uh, with the DOD and uh, and fight for our nation with with the people that were with him. Well-trained. But there was a reason why they were there. They were there to protect our country. And every time I went out on the battlefield and I would bring home stories, like whether it was the Washington Times or the Washington Examiner, wherever I was working, Mm -hmm. it would be so that I could tell these stories about our young troops, right, on the front lines, working hard, uh, fighting for freedom, even if it was a tough story, even if it was a story that exposed that maybe – There was a number of deaths because of vehicles that they were in weren't sufficient for that particular type of battle or whatever it was. I was bringing the stories home and that the American people could understand that. That's what I believe is essential. You know, the Dark Wire, an investigation foundation, is what I started a few years ago and I did it on the opioid crisis in America when I saw the rise of addictions and opioid. When I first started reporting I started at the border, at the U.S.-Mexico border, and covered, you know, the drug cartels and what they were bringing into our country and the exposure that we were facing as a nation to not only our national security, but to our health and to the health of our nation. Um, So I believe that having that capability to tell those stories and to tell the truth, right, to get it out there and and to deliver that truth to the American people allows us to basically preserve freedom. Because when we know what the truth is, when we understand it, it's not always easy to take. You know, I always tell people, you don't need to love President Trump. You don't even need to like him. You don't need to vote for him. You need to hear what happened to him. You need to hear what happened to this administration The reality of it, Mm -hmm. the reality of what happened at the FBI, what happened at the DOJ, what was going on inside the Obama administration at the time, that's what you need to know to make your own decision. If you choose to ignore that once you've been told, that's your choice. But at least you've been informed. Um, And that's
0: one of the things that is so dangerous about big media and big tech deciding they're going to silence some voices and elevate other voices. And I, I find that to be particularly worrisome when you look at people not having the full story. And a great example of this is the way the New York Post story on Hunter Biden was buried. And I have talked to so many people who were Democrats or independents, who said, had I known that, I probably wouldn't have voted for Biden. I'm not sure I would have voted for Trump. But I wouldn't have cast that vote, because that makes me very uncomfortable that their family has been involved. in Right. Yes. And they wish they had known that.
1: So true, Senator. I mean, one of the issues that we're looking at when you think of the Hunter Biden story, this isn't just about Hunter Biden. He's not some kind of like offshoot, right? What we saw there and what we saw happen to the New York Post was like, we are going to bury this. We're not even going to give it the opportunity. And we being the big tech, along with their allies in the government who put the pressure on them too to bury it because they did not want those stories to go public. But it exposes the national security implications of China, of uh, what happens when you have family members connected. Imagine having to go through an SF-86. That's what our, you know, intelligence personnel go through. You have to fill out your SF-86. You have to declare all of the people you've known in your whole life, where foreign countries they come from. I mean, even the president's family had to do that. You know, and what you did, you know, in order to get that security clearance. Now, imagine saying, oh, yeah, but wait a minute. My son and my family received $50,000 a month, you know, as a board member for a Ukrainian energy company that's involved with Russian issues and all kinds of energy gas issues. And oh, wait a minute. By the way, they're also connected to these Chinese banking firms And they've received this much and they have this much equity in these companies, which, by the way, are mainly owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Now what you're dealing with is like, well, yeah, you're not getting a job here. (laughs) You're not. No. So if it was the other way around, you wouldn't get the job here. And I don't think the American people are being uh, they're not being given the information that they need in order to make those decisions. I think what's even worse is that any time a journalist, I remember this happened with uh, me and John Solomon. In the very beginning, we would tell these stories, and there would be people, even on you know, even conservatives, because there was so much animosity in the beginning about the Russia hoax. Like nobody wanted to believe it. I don't know if it was like just too shocking or it was mainly because of the bad-mouthing from the left media, what I would call... People said it couldn't possibly be this bad. Right. This could never happen. And it was very UFO, right? Right. Oh, conspiracy theories. Until what? Until we saw all the emails, the text messages, all the documentation that showed that everything we were reporting was accurate, was truthful, was right, but... This is where everything changed. And this is something that you just brought up earlier about freedom. The big tech and the news media that was with them, That were, they, they became very partisan. It wasn't like, whoa, I thought the New York Times would take our story. I really did. I thought with all the resources that the New York Times and the Washington Post has, they are going to grab this story and win a Pulitzer. No. They instead turned— and became a political war, a political football, I no longer felt comfortable keeping my mouth closed and just saying, okay, here's the facts when we had like a tsunami of Well, them. that is, I think that is one
0: of the things that makes it so important that we have podcasts like this, right. shows like yours, right. so that people can get... A wide variety of information and then use their free speech, use their freedoms to investigate and to search out. But it's why we have to hold big tech accountable. It's why we have to hold media accountable. Mm -hmm. And if they don't do their job, it's why we need these alternative sources So that people can actually get to the truth and get to what is happening. And freedom is what underpins every single bit of this. And we could talk for hours. I know we could. I could. I I probably talked too much. (laughs) I know what a wonderful, wonderful segment. I know this one's been a little bit long, but it's so worth it. Thank you for joining us for Freedom Rings. Keep up with Sarah Carter, The Dark Wire Report, and the Sarah Carter show, and you'll see her on Fox. She is a happy warrior, freedom fighter, free speech is her issue. Thank you, Sarah Carter.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Senator. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank
0: you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook. At Marsha Blackburn for Senate and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Ring.